Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 13th of May 2012, entitled Appropriate Anger. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, well if you'd like to open your Bibles for our scripture reading this evening, to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We'd like to take our reading beginning in verse 17 and reading down through verse 32. I do invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word this evening. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to them that needeth, to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Father, we thank you again this evening. Thank you, Lord, that we can have the freedom and the place health, the strength to be able to come together here this evening. Father, thank you for each one that has come this way. Most of all, we thank you for knowing that your presence is here, living and dwelling within each and every one of your children. Thank you, Father, that we have your word before us. It's been preserved for us right down through the centuries, your spirit within us. The Lord, we now pray would take this word that would take and make it alive and speak unto our hearts that which we need to hear this evening. We give you all the praise and honor for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Many times when we're reading the Word of God, you find here in verse 26, there's a lot of things in this passage that we could look at this evening. But in verse 26, it says to you, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And of course, then we look over and we find in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
How can you, on the one hand, be angry and sin not, and on the other hand, all anger be put away from you? We would look and would say, well, the Bible's saying two different things there. But it's not, and I hope that we, as we look here this evening, because our thought for this evening is appropriate anger. It's amazing how much the Bible, is there anybody here that's ever been angry in your life? Let me ask this. Maybe this would be easier. Is there anybody here that's never been angry in your life? You've never been angry about anything whatsoever. We know that we all face that sometimes. And it's interesting as we look at the Word of God and we find these passages because really this whole passage here has much to do with the way that we deal with each other. And there's a contrast in this passage of the old man and the new man that we're a different person now and that our lifestyle ought to indicate that in our dealings with others. It has much to do with our encouragement of one with another. We find that this anger is something that has a lot to do with that. Now, of course, the Proverbs, that's one of the places that I've always recommended, especially young people as they become start coming to that point of maturity where there's so many choices and so many decisions to be made in life. For every young person that's a Christian, there's very few books that can give you more wisdom on how to act and live and do day to day than the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, we find several things about anger. In Proverbs 16, 32, it says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Well, in the natural, being strong, that's what would be important. But the Bible said, no, it's better to be slow to anger than it is to be mighty and powerful. And he that ruleth his spirit, than he that taketh a city. In other words, we have a contrast here. In the world's eyes, it might prove strength to be able to go out and literally take a whole city and control that city. He says it's better to control what's inside of you than to be able to take hold and control a whole city. He says in Proverbs 29, verse 8, he says, Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away from wrath. In Proverbs 15, 18, he says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 24, he says, Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. We have instruction on our own anger. And, of course, in dealing with people that are angry. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I mean, have, have you ever had somebody do something to you that, I mean, it just angered you so much and that you knew that what you were saying back to them in anger, that it was true and that they deserved it. Or maybe they'd said something to you that was just downright nasty. You knew that your response was well-deserved. Well, as we think about those things, I want you to, uh, to look back into the New Testament again at the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 12, notice what the Word of God says to us here concerning this, this matter of anger. Romans chapter 12, 
And let's read verses beginning at verse uh, 17. The Bible says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine, and I, I have circled this next word in my Bible, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We have a contrast. We got, we've got to remember, first of all, the old man, he has natural responses that are going to want to come out. And we find that the Bible here, if, if, if he's wanting us to treat our enemies in this way, what about our brothers? What about our friends? What about our family? What about the ones that we, that we love? He's saying even our enemies, that when they're throwing all this venom at us, that we ought to be loving and kind. That it's like, can you imagine what it would feel like to have a heap of hot coals on your head? Would you think that maybe sometimes giving them back that word that really is going to tell them off and put them in their place is the way to get to them. But the Bible says when they're being just vile to you, you be sweet to them. That's going to get to them more. Because as we see from these other things in Proverbs, when we react with anger, then it's only going to escalate and it's only going to get worse. Now, there are a few examples in Scripture and I want to give you these quickly this evening, and I, and I hope it will. How, how do we rationalize this? Is it wrong to be angry? Some of these verses would, simply, would certainly seem to be that it's wrong. We shouldn't have any kind of anger whatsoever. And yet we find in there also that the Bible is telling us how to deal with anger. What is the Bible trying to teach us here? How do we find all this? Well, turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Mark. We find examples in Scripture that I think that uh, there is no greater teacher than the two that we want to use here tonight, <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Of course, He was the Word that became flesh. But we find here in the Gospel of Mark, and notice in chapter 3, not the only place that it's recorded, but Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. They watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? They held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them, what's the next two words in your Bible? This is Jesus looking around at them. When he looked round about on them with anger, 
being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. The Lord Jesus Christ says here, as he looked around on them with anger, Jesus was angry with these people. He was angry with them for a reason. I want you to notice in the Gospel of John and chapter 2, and we'll come back and we'll see what the Lord Jesus Christ is showing us here. Gospel of John, chapter 2, we normally re refer to uh, this passage, and again, it's recorded in every one of the Gospels. There's two different cleansings of the, uh, of the temple there. But in the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, we find it recorded this way, beginning in verse 13. He says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the changers of money sitting. When he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep, and the oxen, poured out the changers' money, and overthrew the tables, and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. His disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews, and said unto him, What signs showest thou unto us, seeing that Thou doest these things. What right have you got to be doing this? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the Scripture and the Word which Jesus had said. A lot of times, we naturally, I guess, when we would first think of anger, we would anger, we would think of it as something that was very selfish, a very destructive emotion, and something that we really should genuinely try to just eradicate from our lives altogether. And all too often that's true. All too often, it's very true. But then we see that Jesus Christ himself, he became angry, the Bible shows us. He shows that anger. And therefore, that shows us that anger is not always wrong and sinful. That takes us back to the passage that we read in Ephesians, be ye angry and sin not. And also he says in that same verse, not to let the sun go down upon our wrath. You see, that command is not to avoid anger. It's not to ignore anger and pretend that it's not there. But it's to deal with it. To deal with the anger and to deal with it appropriately, appropriately and to deal with it in a timely fashion, not to let the sun go down upon our wrath. The sheer fact is, is that number one, not only is anger a natural response, 
But just like everything else in our lives, anger to the man, to the fleshly man without Christ is very different than anger to the spiritual man when the spirit is in control. Oh, yes, it's anger either way that you look at it. Notice some things here about Jesus in these examples that we see here. You see, first of all, I want you to realize this. It can be appropriate. As a matter of fact, you may think I've gone a little bit off Morocco. I want to tell you this evening, folks, I think it's time we did get angry about some things. I think that we need some appropriate anger in our lives as Christians. But I think it's also time that we begin to deal with some anger in our lives that we're dealing with in the flesh that ought to be eradicated from our lives. I want you to notice the first thing about Jesus. His, 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 his anger, this appropriate anger, it had the appropriate motivation. What do you mean? I mean it had the proper motivation behind it. He was angry for the right reasons. Jesus' anger wasn't something that raised up like most of ours from some kind of petty argument, some personal slight that somebody said something that they shouldn't have or they said it in the wrong way. In other words, there was no selfish motive whatsoever in the anger that Jesus shows us here. In other words, don't get angry for the wrong reasons. There is an appropriate anger, and Jesus shows it to it, but is that anger within you, is it motivated by something that ought to be making you angry, or has it got the wrong motivation, some selfish motive that ought not to even be there in the first place? Secondly, it had the appropriate focus. You know, sometimes, sometimes I'm sure that you have uh, uh, heard the saying, that he was so mad that he just saw red. <laughs> um, when we're angry, we're not supposed to be seeing red. Jesus had the right focus. He wasn't angry at God, and he wasn't angry at the weaknesses of others. His anger was towards sinful behavior. He was angry towards their sin. Because they had taken the house of God and they'd made it into a den of thieves because of their attitude, their heart. We find that he also had the appropriate emotions. Well, you say, well, anger itself is an emotion. It is. But he had something else along with it because it says there that his anger was attended by something else. He felt grief over those Pharisees. He felt grief over the hardness of their heart, over their lack of faith. You see, Jesus' anger stemmed from his love for them. He felt for them. He felt compassion. He felt grief for them. He felt concern for their spiritual condition. It had nothing to do with dislike or hatred or ill towards any of those people. What accompanies our anger. What is it? Because anger won't be the only emotion that's in you when it's there. It's going to affect other things. You see, when Jesus was angry, 
First of all, it was motivated by the right thing, not something petty, not something selfish. His focus was on the right thing. It was on the sinful behavior, not upon blaming God for this or blaming somebody else. He had the appropriate emotions. Oh, he felt anger. But at the same time, he was feeling compassion and grief for them. Appropriate anger also has appropriate control. You see, you'll never find Jesus out of control. Have you ever gotten so mad that you just lost it? So mad that you said something that you can't believe you said? So mad that you threw something or did something that you can't believe that you acted that way? Why? Because you got out of control. Because your anger took control of you instead of you having control of your anger. These temple leaders, they didn't like the idea of Jesus cleansing out the temple because they were making money off of all of that stuff. But he controlled his emotions. His emotions did not control him. In all of this, Jesus also had the appropriate attitude. What do you mean? Well, he didn't allow his anger to turn into bitterness. You see, so many times with us, with that, when it's our, our flesh that's controlling us and that anger, we allow ourselves to feel bitter towards someone because we've gotten angry with them and we, we hold these grudges and we have these things that we, that we just allow to build up within us. But you find Jesus, he's dealing with it right then. And isn't that what we were told? Be ye angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. We find that he also had the appropriate result. His anger had the proper result. Jesus' anger had the eventual and inevitable consequences of godly action. Jesus' anger was, was with all emotions. It was under control. It was held in check. Yes, by him, of course, he was God, by the word of God. But his reaction to his anger was according to God's will. You see, I wrote this down. I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles for one other illustration. We give you this, and I'll try to make the sense out of bringing it all together. The book of Nehemiah, we find that the Word of God, when He speaks to us in Nehemiah chapter 7, Nehemiah chapter 5, in Nehemiah chapter 5, we find that Nehemiah was also put in a similar situation. If we look at chapter 5, let's read the first 13 verses there. It says, And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, We are sons and our daughters are many, therefore we take up corn for them that they may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have gathered or we have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, we have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is 
as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Nehemiah says in verse 6, because of all this, because of what happened, he says, and I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother, every one of his brother, and I set a great assembly against them. I said unto them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren, or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. Also I said, is it not good that ye do? Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury. Restore, I pray you, to them even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, their houses, also the hundredth part of the money and of the corn, the wine, and the oil that ye exact from them. Then said they, we will restore them. We'll require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priest and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. Also, I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise, even thus be shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praised the Lord. The people did according to his promise. You see, the first thing we need to recognize, folks, is the rise of anger initially. The rise of anger initially. You've got to acknowledge and admit that that anger is there, that it's there. Don't allow it to be there. And suddenly you've tried to figure out, you know, what happened? We find that Nehemiah, the Bible says, got very angry here. He says in verse 6, and I was very angry when I heard their cry. And I heard these words. We find that we want to have appropriate anger. We want to deal with it appropriately as Jesus Christ did. But we need to recognize, admit, acknowledge the rise of anger. We recognize it when, it's, when it begins to rise up within us as the prophet did here. Secondly, I want you to notice the reaction to his anger first, first, it rose up within him. He recognized that it was there. Second, first place you're going to react is internally. What does he say here that he did? Then, verse 7, then I consulted with myself. Before he deals with anybody else, before he speaks a word to anybody else, before he does anything with anybody else, he looks inside of himself. In other words, we, we call that very simply in our language sometimes, folks, 
before you speak and react to your anger, stop and think. Stop and think. Anger will take control. If we don't recognize it for what it is and acknowledge it, before you know it, it'll just become, it, it's, it's inside of you. But it'll come bullying out real quick to where everybody around you knows that it's there. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Notice what he says in verse 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We need to be careful. The first thing, if we want appropriate anger, we need to acknowledge and recognize the, the rise of that anger within us and the reaction within ourselves. Have you ever heard of counting to 10 before you say anything? <laughs> Sometimes we need to, sometimes I've had to count to a whole lot higher than 10. <laughs> count to as high as you need to count. <laughs> but the thing is, is you need to recognize the anger. Folks, it's you. Something has brought that anger within. Now, it may be a good anger and it may be a bad anger. It may be something that has the right motivation or the wrong motivation. That's why you got to look inside yourself first as Nehemiah did. What is this anger about? Is it something that I, as a child of God, as a Christian, as a believer, it is, is it something that should be making me angry? Is it something that's selfish and petty? Or is it something I'm angry because of sin? Because of something that really is justified? I understand that... Uh, as we begin to look at this, one of the first things that comes to mind sometimes, have you ever, have you ever told yourself, boy, I knew when I got angry. I knew I shouldn't do that. I knew I shouldn't have said that, but I just couldn't help it. Sometimes you get the feeling, you know, well, I know that I should, but I can't. I mean, when that anger boils up within me, it's going to come out. Give you an illustration. It's funny. We, we, we really believe that a lot of times. We believe that we can't control it. But what about if you're that same person that's convinced that you can't control it? We'll just talk to the couples here. You, you young singles, uh, you know, you don't need to worry about it. And, and I, know, I know you husbands and wives would never do this, but let's pretend for a minute that, that, that it's a husband and a wife that actually got angry with each other. And they actually started saying cross words to each other. And the volumes actually started to rise a bit between them. Before you know it, they're having a shouting match with each other. And I mean, man, they're just ringing. And all of a sudden, the phone rings. Hello. <laughs> what happened to all that? Now, now you know... You wouldn't pick up that phone. Hello, what do you want? <laughs> you controlled that anger because it was somebody else that was going to see it, not the person you love. We usually hurt the people we love the most. 
We don't, we don't put our guards up. Simple truth is, folks, we have to be able to control it. As Christians, we must be able to control it. If you're going to do that, if it's going to be appropriate anger, number one, you get back, and, and, and I'm not going to go into the whole list of things this evening. What's made you angry in the first place? Because you see, first of all, whatever it is, if there's anger rising up within you, you need to recognize it and you need to realize that it's there. The first thing that you need to do, that first reaction that ought to come from the moment that it's there is just like with Nehemiah here before anything else says that I consulted with myself. He had to stop. He had to figure out exactly what was going on here. You know, we say things like, you know, just stop and think before jumping. <laughs> Too many times if the anger gets control, we don't stop. We don't think. We don't consult within ourselves. We just let everything start boiling out. Appropriate anger. Appropriate anger. I want you to see something else here thirdly. Not only the rise of the anger initially, the reaction to the anger internally, but the response to anger intentionally. What do you mean, preacher? I'm saying react to it intentionally. Don't let it control you to where you're just reacting and you're not even thinking about what you're doing. React intentionally in the way that you're wanting to. Nehemiah stopped. That's what we read in our passage over in Ephesians chapter 4 when we read verses 26 and 27 when he said, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. The devil will use anything he can. He'll certainly use... Your anger. But what did Nehemiah do? Very simply, he stopped and thought before he acted. He stopped as soon as it began to rise within him. He looked within himself. He thought about it. He, 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 he analyzed that for himself before so that when the action came out, it was intentional. He was acting in an intentional way rather than the anger itself being out of control and just doing its own thing. He had control of the anger. The anger didn't have control of him. And yes, yes, it can be controlled. It may take prayer. You can control it. Flesh don't want you to. Sometimes it's, you know, just, just downright want to let it boil out of there. What happened with Nehemiah after he stopped to think about it? You see, then he responded. He went back, first of all, there in verse 7, he went back to them. He said, then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, ye exact usury, every one of his brother, and I set a great assembly against them. He's saying to him, fellas, this is wrong. This is the way those loan sharks and pawnbrokers down there would act. They're there to, to meet your immediate need, but then they've got this huge usury, the interest, so that they can, can make profit off of it as much as they possibly can. And, of course, we know that's contrary to God's Word. We could go back in the Scriptures. We can find in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all those places in the law. That was against God's law. 
that was not the way they were supposed to be treating their brothers. They weren't supposed to be treating anybody, not their brothers, but they were. But then notice what it says in verse 8. And I said unto them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren, or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. You see, he's telling them to release, to release all those debts, to release those that they've got in slavery over these things that they owe to them. We've talked about this before. It was not an uncommon thing in Bible days, many times for people actually to be taken into slavery to pay their debts or for people's children to be taken into slavery because of the debts of the parents even. Nehemiah got angry. Why? Because of the way these Christians were treating each other. These were God's people. And yet this is the way they were treating each other, taking advantage of the needs and, and making money and interest out of it themselves. Nehemiah said, that's not the way to do it. They couldn't answer back. They couldn't say anything there because they knew that he was right. Verse 9, also I said, it is not good that you do ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies. <laughs> Basically what he's saying to him, folks, is not only, not only is it awful the way that you are treating each other and taking advantage of each other, but he says, you, God's people, what do you think the rest of the world out there is thinking of you when they see you treating each other this way? You're talking about love. You're talking about all this sweet fellowship and taking care of one another. What's the world think? Because they see it. They form their opinions. Folks, our testimonies are not just the words we speak. It's the lives we live before those other people. How do they see us treating each other? So I read somewhere. I don't know where I got it. I just jotted it down on a piece of paper when when I was sitting there looking over my notes early this afternoon, I wish I could remember where it came from, but it came back in my mind. I wanted to write it down so I wouldn't forget it again. I remember reading somewhere that Nehemiah was not a politician because they always ask what's popular. He wasn't a diplomat because they're always asking what's safe, but he was a true leader because his question was what's right, what's right may not be popular with others. It may not be the safest, but is it right with God? You see, what did Nehemiah, how did he react to these people? They were doing some pretty horrible things with each other, and when he saw the way they were treating each other, the Bible says he got very angry. It made him angry when he saw these people treating each other that way. But the first thing he did before he did anything else was he looked at himself. He knew that that anger was there. And first of all, he checked himself. And when he did react, what did he react with? The Word of God. God's told you this is wrong. You see, folks, we can get angry. We can spit out all these things. We can try to do it. But what I'm saying is, you know, he just took them to God's Word. God says this is wrong. God's told you. God's given you law how to live. You ought not to be treating each other this way. And you need to do something about it. You see, 
Nehemiah cared about them. He was angry. But rather than just telling them how vile and, and, and he told them what to do about it. He told them what they needed to do to correct it according to God's principles, not what man thought. I don't know if, uh, let me read you a couple of other passages and we're going to come to a, to a close here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. The Bible says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. What is our conversation? What is our lifestyles like? Is it that which becometh the gospel? Can we honestly say that? Because you see, what I want you to recognize here is that both in the case of Jesus and in the case of Nehemiah, they were angry. But their anger was handled in an appropriate way. It was handled in a biblical way. I'm not saying that's easy. A lot of things in our life aren't easy. But it's what's right. And it's what we as Christians ought to do. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 11 and 12, he said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works. They may, yeah, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You remember what happened when Jesus did what he did in the temple? You remember when he spoke to them about you tear it down, this body down, and this three days I'm going to rise this, this temple. Tear this temple down. Three days I'll rise it again. The Bible says after he did rise again, they remembered that. They believed. You see, he handled them with the word of God, just like Nehemiah. And it had a positive effect on them. Anybody know what a redneck is? Anybody ever heard of a redneck? I don't even know how to describe a redneck. I know them when I see them back home, you know. Uh, but one thing that, uh, a little story that I read that brought a smile to my face. And uh, there was a redneck. His name was Jim. And like all true rednecks, he liked shooting guns. And he had some places on his property where he could go and shoot those guns. So he and his friends were out there one day and they had all these tin cans lined up and they were out there with their guns and they were just having them a real shooting time, shooting all these cans. All of a sudden a truck pulled up and it happened to be one of the neighbors. They looked and they recognized the truck. They knew who the guy was. They knew it was a, a neighbor that didn't like anybody, that didn't get along with anybody. He was uptight about everything, no matter what it was. A guy named Bob. 
Well, there's the expected Bob, as he always complained about everything. He got out of his truck and he come over there and he started giving them a speech on how Jim and his friends better stop making all this racket and that they better put their guns away. Jim said his first thought was, hey, I got a gun. I could just shoot Bob and do the whole neighborhood a, a favor. <laughs> but he didn't. He actually spoke back to Bob and he said, or he, he actually, as he, as he looked back, Bob said to him, said, you know, he said, Bob, this is our property and we're not hurting anybody. Thing was, he began to notice a look in Bob's face. And he could tell that, man, this fury was just building up. You ever seen somebody when you could just see the fury beginning to build? It's kind of kind of seeping out their eyeballs and everything. So Jim said he just stopped. And he thought, and then he threw up a prayer. Because he was about to lose it. He was on his own property doing his own thing. This neighbor, nothing, no matter what anybody did, he complained. Here he was complaining. But he said he just told, Lord, please, help me do the right thing here, not what I feel like doing. And so, as he thought for a moment, he looked back and he said to Bob, he said, Bob, he said, you know, you're my neighbor. I respect you. You've got your own opinions. He said, I, I don't agree with you, I'll tell you. But I do respect you, and I'll put the guns away if it's, if it's really bothering you. That his buddy was cleaning things up while Bob got back in his truck and drove away. Jim's friend that was with him there that day, he said he didn't say a word until they got back in the truck and they started toward the house. Jim's friend looked at him and he said, I couldn't have done that. I don't know how in the world that you did that. And I said, how did you control yourself in such a way? Jim said, I had to be honest with him, said, you know, he said, it wasn't me. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to do. I wish I could say that it was. He said, it was the Christ within me. He said, if it was me, I'd have probably shot him. <laughs> but he said, it was the Christ within me. They both laughed. And then Jim had the opportunity of honestly sharing what he was talking about of that Christ within Three days later, Jim was driving down the driveway and he saw Bob's truck coming up the opposite way. Bob actually pulled in front of the road, stopping Jim in his tracks so that he couldn't get out. Bob got out of his truck and he came over to Jim's window. Jim was wondering within himself, what now? But Bob's head was hanging down low and he was fidgeting with his belt buckle and he wouldn't look at him in the face. Finally, he said, Jim, said, Jim, you were right the other day, and I was wrong. He said, you know, you got the right to shoot on your property anytime you want to. He said, he looked Jim right in the eyes, and he said, Jim, you're the one to be respected. He said, I respect you. He walked back to his truck, and he drove away. You see, that's a true story. Somebody's given us their own testimony. And the reality is this, folks, is we've always got choices. We all have to deal with anger. The Bible gives us some great illustrations. And I'm saying to you today that, you know, Jesus was angry over, angry over the right things. We look around our society, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to 
I'm just going to say straight what I'm thinking. You know, we get involved in, in, in all these things and we elect these people and we put them up there. The truth is, you know, as many times after we put them up there, they can do all kinds of things. I'm honest with you. It makes me angry when both the leader of this nation and the leader of the United States of America want to stand up after all that God has done for these countries and the principles they've stood on all these years and say that same-sex marriage is okay, that men ought to be able to marry men and women ought to be able to marry women. I'm saying to you, that's, that makes me angry because that's against God's word. It's out and out sin. It's got nothing to do with equality. They can live a life as equal as me and do all the things they want, but how dare they come together as husband and wife when it's contrary to everything in God's word. And I'm saying as Christians, we need to be some angry about some things. We need to be angry about some of the things that's happening around us in our society and in our world but we need to react in the right way. We need to react in the right way. We need to stop and think. And I want to tell you something. Just like with Nehemiah and just like with Jesus, it's not wrong to be angry about those things. But God's Word is the only thing that's going to change it, folks. God's Word is the only thing that's going to change them, that's going to change this country, that's going to change any country in the world. As Christians, it's not necessarily wrong for you to be angry. In fact, I think as Christians, we're sitting back too passive on an awful lot of things that are going on around us that ought to just downright make us boil inside with anger because of what it's doing to our Christian faith. But no matter even then, when it's got the right motives, we need to act appropriately. We need to act according to God's Word at the same time, you see, we, need, we, we tend to have too much anger in the wrong places for the wrong things, people bickering with each other, people upset with each other, people holding grudges with each other. I want to tell you something. You hang around me very long, I'll make you mad. <laughs> I'll figure out a way. <laughs> I'll say something. I'll do something that will upset you. Why? I'm just a sinner. And I get a lot of things wrong. But I thank God I'm saved by his grace. And that's the only thing. That's the only reason that I can live. You know what? You hang around anybody in here long enough, they're going to make you mad sometimes. They're going to upset you. They're going to make you angry. It's probably going to be over something petty, something selfish, Something that if we really get back and treat each other like the Bible tells us to treat each other, it won't even be important. And you know what? Sometimes the people you love the most, they're the ones that are going to get the brunt of it. They're going to get the worst of it. We need to learn in those environments. Well, I know we promise for better or for worse, but it don't have to be the worse all the time. You know, we can help make it better. <laughs> we ought to be trying to make it better according to God's Word, appropriate anger. As Christians, folks, it's not just us. It's our testimony to the world. The only thing that's going to change them is Jesus Christ, the Word of God. 
Those things aren't going to do much good if they don't see Christ in us because that's where they're going to see him, in us. And the only faith is going to come from the Word of God. But it's not going to do a whole lot of good if we're destroying all that, just as Nehemiah told them. <laughs> do you think acting the way you're acting? What in the world do you think all those other people out there are thinking of us? Let's get angry about some of the things we need to be angry about. When we do, let's act appropriately. Follow those simple, simple little things that we find that Nehemiah was using there. When that anger begins to rise within you, yeah, recognize it. Know that it's there. Your first reaction needs to be within. Get control of it. Look at yourself. Has it got the right motivation? Is it something you really need to be angry about? It might be something you need to get rid of because it's something that is not even worth being angry about anyway. You shouldn't be angry. If it is something that we ought to be angry about, act appropriately. Use God's Word so that you can have the right kind of response. Nehemiah got the right kind of response from the people. They changed and started doing it God's way. Jesus got the right kind of response because of his testimony, because of the way he reacted. They come to know who he was, Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, as we've tried to just look at this very practical thought this evening that, Lord, you laid on our heart a few weeks back even, and, and, and Lord, we just pray that though we've gone through a lot of things quickly, that it can just be an encouragement to those here tonight. We're all human. Lord, anger is something that we all have to deal with. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be able to do as you wrote to the church at Ephesus there, be angry, sin not. Lord, I pray that you'd also help us. Help us to have the appropriate anger. Help us to get fired up about the sin that is around us in this world. Help us to act appropriately for that. Help us to stand up and fight for it as you would have us to, using your word, that other people's lives can truly be changed. We give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.